With continuing controversies in regards to Chinese tech firms Huawei as well as uh, the uh, China-based app TikTok, the uh, U.S.-China relationship is facing a serious strain. Uh, The recent agreement to sell fighter jets to Taiwan only added fuel to the fire, and the continuing sanctions in Hong Kong make future cooperation uh, for these two countries uh, to look Pretty bleak. So for further discussion on how the U.S.-China relationship may progress in terms of trade and economic interdependence, we are pleased to be joined by the Arthur Ross Director of the Center on U.S.-China Relations at the Asia Society in New York, Mr. Orville Shell on the line. Hello. Hello. Thank you for joining us, sir. So there are reports that say uh, the U.S. has been preparing rules that would require all firms to follow standards for U.S. audits and regulations. Uh, This could prevent Chinese companies from being listed on American uh, stock exchanges. And as the two countries are, I think a lot of people feel, uh, fairly interdependent economically, uh, what do we think? Chinese companies can do in this situation? Is it uh, something that they're going to have to just comply with, uh, just go through the uh, U.S. audit uh, uh, regime, or uh, might they uh, try to find some kind of compromise with the Americans? Well, I suspect companies that have uh, uh, are selling goods into the American market that really have no national security consequence will find a way through this thicket. Uh, But I think there's a whole host particularly in fields of high tech, uh, especially in microchips centering around 5G and, and other other technologies where data collection might be involved. I think that's going to be very, very difficult. And I mean, there's no doubt about it. The relationship is in a precipitous spiral downward, and it is precipitated by the fact that our old policy of engagement, which presumed a rather friendly relation and that China would reform and slowly become more solvent in the international system would continue. It has not under Xi Jinping. And uh, that is sort of the, the, the radioactive core that is animating all of these other trade issues. You mentioned the tech firms. Um, in regards to, let's say, TikTok and then uh, Huawei, uh, it's, it's a game of leverage, and it does feel like uh, to the uh, outside observer that the U.S. has leverage here in terms of the importance of the American market. And the Chinese central government seems to recognize the fact that for a lot of these firms um, like Huawei and, and especially uh, TikTok, that uh, they do need some kind of access to the U.S. market or at least some cooperation with U.S. businesses or people who are affiliated with U.S. businesses to uh, to be able to thrive. Um, is that necessarily always going to be the case where uh, the U.S. can wield that uh, kind of leverage uh, as they have been doing with, with TikTok and Huawei? I think in the high-tech field, the U.S. still does have some leverage to pull, and it is pulling them. Uh, I think if you look three, four, five years down the line, China is making a, a really desperate and full press, uh, you know, move to becoming self-reliant. In fact, we hear a lot of talk in China now about the old Maoist uh, verity of, of self-reliance, truly Gongsheng, which is rather uh, strange for a country that, uh, when Xi Jinping was in Davos, uh, prided himself as being sort of the the uh, leader of the globalized world. But what we may see here is the globalized world separating into into separate camps that do uh, center around political systems as much as a global trade regime. All right. Uh, 
we are um, live on the air. I, there seems to be some kind of uh, audio kind of popping sound uh, on your end. Uh, if, if it's possible, if you could be a little farther away from the uh, receiver, as you speak, it might be a little bit uh, uh, easier to, sure. to hear you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, another issue here, uh, Mr. Shell, is that uh, the U.S. has decided to sell uh, F-16 fighter jets to Taiwan. This is the uh, the first deal that the uh, U.S. government actually approved uh Uh, since 1992. Uh, This is maybe deemed to be a bit of a deterrent uh, effort against uh, Chinese forces. Uh, How do you view this um, uh, fighter jet deal and uh, how significant do you think it is in terms of the the cross-strait relationship? Well, I think it has great significance because it it sort of pretends what what might come uh, in the future. And I think there'll be many more arrangements like this that uh, we see not only in in military, but uh, other kinds of upping the relationship with Taiwan. Already we see the Czech, the the president of the Czech uh, parliament in Taiwan now. And I think you'll see more and more of this as Europe in general drifts a little farther away from being so willing to do China's bidding. Uh, We are in 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 a world where the China is the fabric that tied China to the global system Hmm. is pulling apart. Well, uh, we certainly are jumping around a bunch of different issues here, but uh, we'd love to get your perspectives on them. Uh, Let's move from Taiwan then to Hong Kong. Uh, The U.S. imposed a, uh, this was largely bipartisan, uh, support from Democrats and Republicans uh, on this uh, U.S. bill, uh, which would target Chinese and Hong Kong officials uh, deemed to be responsible for the current uh, crackdown against demonstrators in Hong Kong. Uh, China imposed a security law, as we know, that uh, bans businesses from uh, complying with foreign sanctions. Um, these international banks and companies who just, they're trying to stay out of the politics of this, but uh, they're pretty much caught in the middle of the crossfire. Uh, in your opinion, for those kind of uh, corporations or entities, what can they choose to do? They, are they going to have to pick a side? Well, I think this is the why we're in such a tipping point moment, is that not only are countries going to have to pick a, pick a side, we even see elements of this in the student populations, the postdoc scientists around the world who, who are being forced to pick a side. And banks like the, uh, the Hong Kong Shanghai Banking uh, Corporation, they too are going to find themselves in an increasingly difficult position where it's no longer as easy as it was to straddle both sides at once. And I should say, since you are in Korea, uh, I mean, Korea has been sort of the professional example of not making a decision. Uh, not having to choose between either China or the U.S. Right. But I wager in the months to come that that position of being in the middle is going to become increasingly difficult. Right. Uh, certainly, uh, Sierra, uh, we, we definitely feel uh, the uh, tug of war and, and being in the middle of that and the... Uh, I guess, uh, an understatement, the uncomfortable uh, position that it places us in. Uh, Talking about then uh, the products made in Hong Kong, they might be labeled made in China uh, if they are uh, exported to the U.S. Uh, This was originally set to start on uh, September 25th, and that would have a lot of implications for tariffs and and whatnot. But the U.S. Customs and Border Protection has now pushed that effective date until November 9th of this year. Um, So it's said not to have too big a financial impact. Uh, Interesting. 
interesting as to the timing of that, because that is going to be right after the the, the November 3rd uh, presidential elections in the U.S. But what do you think is the motivation behind that particular uh, relation uh, and regulation? And uh, this could be another sort of, I I wouldn't go as far as maybe what you were terming to be a tipping point, but it could be another uh, kind of factor in, in all of this tension between the U.S. and China. Well, I think there are two factors in the uh, United States' new position towards Hong Kong. One is the national security law, all of the demonstrations, and you're well familiar with it, that I think many countries feel obliged to take some kind of a position. The United States under Donald Trump has taken a pretty precipitous position, and it happens to dovetail nicely in with his sort of campaign in which a main element of that is to sort of export some of the attention for his own malfeasance at home abroad, and this is convenient. But that is not to say that just because Donald Trump may exploit it for his own personal political reasons, that there is no justification mm. for uh, taking a more forceful posture towards uh, towards China as it acts out in, in, in Hong Kong in a way which is, I think, clearly violative of the agreements that were signed with Great Britain prior to the 97 handover. Right. So it could be considered cynical uh, politically for for Donald Trump to be going this route. But what you're saying is, uh, at least uh, in terms of the ideals of what's going on and and the condemnation of what uh, people feel and the sympathy for these Hong Kong protesters, uh, uh, that doesn't necessarily make it uh, the wrong thing to do. But uh, speaking of the um, cynical aspects of politics, uh, the the current president, Donald Trump, is seemingly um, going to be um, staking a large part of his uh, strategy for re-election as to trying to paint his opponent, Joe Biden, as being either pro-China or weak on China. And that even deals with the aspects of the pandemic and blaming um, Beijing for what they are calling the Wuhan or the China virus. Uh, Do you think that um, that is a factor first in the elections and also that if Biden becomes president, that uh, we're going to see a whole different dynamic in the the U.S.-China relationship? Well, I think it is true that Biden has had uh, probably more face time with Xi Jinping as vice president uh, when he came to the United States and then Biden went to China at Xi's invitation. All of that is true. Uh, but I don't think that it's, uh, it's fair to brand Biden as a as a panda hugger. In fact, the whole drift in the United States is so pronounced uh, in becoming more and more uh, fearful of the China threat, and Biden is part of that. So are the Democrats. It's the only thing, practically, the Democrats and the Republicans agree upon in Washington. So I think, you know, it's a bit disingenuous of Trump, who who had a love affair, practically, with Xi Jinping, to to brand Biden as a, a, you know, a profligate China lover. On the other hand, I think if Biden gets in power, I think he will be more forceful in response to China, but I think he will also not be unwilling to be a diplomat, Mm. which means you always keep the door open to solve problems and you try to horse trade a bit and you try to get a little by giving a little. Interesting uh, indeed, and uh, we'll definitely have to see what the results of that uh, November 3rd election will be. Uh, Orville Schell, author, Ross, director of the Center on U.S.-China Relations at the Asia Society in New York. Thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate it. Pleasure.